August 1910, a girl named Agnes was born to a wealthy family in Macedonia. When she was eight years old, her father died, and her mother was left with little more than the roof over their heads. Now, despite their poverty, Agnes's mother modeled Christian generosity and compassion for the poor and the weak. She worked with the abandoned, widowed, and the sick. Agnes would often accompany her mother on her missions work. By the age of 12, Agnes felt called to a devout Christian life, inspired by the example of her mother. Agnes, better known today as Mother Teresa, went on to live a life serving the sick and dying in Calcutta, India. She saw the great need of the sick and the poor in Calcutta and was moved to action, knowing that unless she helped them, they would die alone and without dignity. Mother Teresa said, unless, unless a life is lived for others, it is not worthwhile. At the time of her death, she had 3,914 sisters serving in 594 communities across the world. Her mission was to care for the hungry, the naked, the homeless, the crippled, the blind, the lepers, all those people who felt unwanted, unloved, uncared for throughout society. Unless Christ's love is among us, we can kill ourselves with work, and it will only be work, not love. Work without love is slavery. I will join in the cause of Christ. You also go in haste to give the joy of loving, the joy of sharing, for you have received not to keep, but to share. Well, good morning, C4 Church. It's good to see you here this morning, and to those who are going to be joining us a little bit later online, a huge welcome to you as well. Well, uh, as we seen, saw in this video, uh, no matter what you think of Mother Teresa's theology, she's a great example of a person of tremendous conviction, who heard the call of Jesus and who said yes, one simple, small person. And because of her obedience, thousands of people were helped and are still being helped even today. She has left a legacy, a legacy of what it truly means to serve the poor, the wretched, the naked, and the sick in the name of Jesus. Today is the second sermon, the second message in this new series that we began last week that we're calling Unless. And we're anchoring this message series in Psalm 127 and verse 1, where the scripture there says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its laborers labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. Today's message is entitled, Unless We Join. And this morning's sermon is not about church membership, as Pastor John you know, just told you about. And it's not specifically about joining a connect group, although I'd really strongly urge you and I would support both of those things. Unless we join is really about a call. A call that I want to issue to you this morning. A call to keep in step with the Spirit during this season of God's unusual and what we're calling and sensing an extraordinary move of the Spirit of God here at C4. Today is a reminder that while Jesus has drawn near to us, we need to join in what He is already doing among us. And we need to join in what He is doing because I believe, as others do, and sense that God wants to do even more things among us as individuals, but also as a church. Unless we join... Unless we join, we are in danger of missing what Jesus wants to do in and through us uniquely as individuals and also us as a church. 
So I want to invite you, if you've got your Bible with you this morning, to turn to Acts chapter 16. I've chosen Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, as our passage this morning. Now, I've got to tell you, it's a kind of an obscure little passage of Scripture. It's the kind of passage of Scripture that if you were just reading the Bible on your own, because there's so many unbelievable events that happen in Acts chapter 15 and the beginning of Acts chapter 16, and even later on there's some just amazing things that happen, that you'd actually be tempted maybe to skip over Acts chapter 16 verses 6 to 10 very quickly. Because they may, they may seem just insignificant. But these five short verses, I believe, have much to say to us this morning as we think about unless we join. So what I want to do is, because the passage is so short, I want to read the whole passage for you. Then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you some of the background because as a Bible teacher here at C4 Church, you have to understand the context. Everything in Scripture is found in a context. You must understand what has immediately happened before the passage that I'm about to read with you so that you just really get the full impact of what's going on. And then after reading the passage, I want to then take the passage and start just splitting it apart a little bit and, and try and encourage you with some thoughts around unless we join, unless we stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Because I don't want anyone, I don't want myself and I don't want any of you to miss what God is doing uniquely here at C4 and what God wants to do in you as an individual and what God, I believe, wants to do in us as a corporate body, as a church. So Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10, and it should be on the screens also for you. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I believe this passage is all about keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. It's got a number of um, geographical references, and so I can understand that people might just, you know just jump over it very quickly, and it seems kind of insignificant upon first reading, but I think it has much to say to us about staying sensitive and open to the whispers and the leading of the Holy Spirit as he guides and directs us in life and in ministry. Unless we join what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, unless we join in what he wants to do here at C4, unless we're staying in step and in sync with the Holy Spirit of God, we'll never get what God wants to do in and through us as individuals and as a whole church. So how do we keep in step with the Spirit? That's really what we're talking about here in this passage. It's really what I want to unpack for you this morning. How do we make sure that we're in sync with what the Spirit of God is doing here at C4 in our own individual lives, but also in us as a church? How do we make sure that we're actually hearing properly? How do we join what Jesus is already doing here at C4? Well, I've chosen this passage because I believe it helps us get in the right posture to join in what Jesus is doing. 
So let's look at the passage and what it's trying to say. And then let me just make some suggestions for you as we walk through the passage. But here's a little bit of the background that we just really need to get as we get into this particular passage. The apostle... Paul, as he's now called, was, was a guy who, who hated the Christian movement, who persecuted it, a highly educated, highly religious individual who met Jesus on the road to Damascus as he was going to persecute people. Sometime later, he is worshiping and praising God. He's praying and fasting and worshiping with, with a number of his friends. And the Holy Spirit says, set aside for me Paul and Barnabas to the work that I've called them. And so Paul and Barnabas form this dream team, this missions trip team, And this mission strip team is sent out from Antioch, and they go out uh, across Asia, and they begin to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to people who have never heard. And something really interesting happens as they go out and as they preach and teach the gospel. They're highly successful, but a number of converts, in fact, I would say the vast majority of the converts to Christianity are not from Jewish descent. See, this is something brand new for the church. The church really hasn't experienced this, other than in Acts chapter 10 when Peter talks to a a guy called Cornelius. But Paul and Barnabas see the church explode, and there are Jews and there are Gentiles who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And, And now, you know, two groups who normally sort of didn't have anything to do with each other, definitely in terms of faith, are now joined together and brought together in this wonderful thing called the church. And it presents all kinds of problems. Well, after they do their big, long missions trip... They come back to Jerusalem, which is where the home church is, where the mother church is. And, and the leaders of the mother church, they say, look, we need, to, we need to bring all of the leaders of the church together because we've got to address this whole issue of Jews and Gentiles now residing together in the church. And, and the question really was at the first council ever of the church called the Jerusalem Council found in Acts chapter 15. The question was... Do these Gentiles have to convert to Judaism in order to be fully welcomed into the church? Do all the men have to be circumcised if they haven't been circumcised? Do do you have to follow the dietary restrictions? Do you have to keep the Old Testament law and the codes and those kinds of things? And so they meet together as a huge church and they decide that no, they don't have to become fully Jews. So a lot of guys are going, dodged a bullet there, great. And so they just say to them, look, you know, we want you to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, and, and we don't want you to be involved in immoral activities, sexual immorality, uh, but other than that, you know, go knock yourselves out, you're, you know, you're welcome in the church. You can come to C4's welcome lunch, uh, no, newcomer lunch next Sunday, okay. So sometime after that, Paul says to Barnabas, look, I'm getting a little antsy. We haven't been out on the road, I, I need to go on another road trip. Because some time has passed by, and he says to Barnabas, look, Barnabas, why don't we just go back through the, the, uh, the ground that we've already covered. Let's go visit all of the churches that we've planned. Let's go encourage the believers and see how they're doing. And Barnabas says, that's a terrific idea. So you know what, Paul, since we're the, the ministry dream team, why don't we take John Mark along with us? And Paul says, I knew you were going to bring up the John Mark issue. See, John Mark had gone with them. He's a relative of Barnabas's. He had gone with them on the first missionary journey, and he was a younger guy. And when they, when they hit their sort of their first stress point, when things got really tough, and it looked like they were going to get beat up for their faith, John Mark, you know, did what any red-blooded young leader would do. He turned and he ran. <laughs> he left them. He left the team, and he went back to mommy. 
And he left Paul and Barnabas to go on alone and endure many, many hardships. And so here they are, years later, they want to go back and they want to go visit all the churches. And Barnabas, the encourager, says, hey, you know what, this would be good to give uh, John Mark a second chance. And Paul, the A-type leader, says, absolutely not. The guy quit on once, he can't be counted on, it's not happening. And the scripture says in Acts chapter 15 that Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement had a sharp disagreement. And it is so sharp a disagreement that they actually part ways. They, they, they can't even do ministry together anymore. So Barnabas sets off with John Mark because he believes in him. And Paul chooses Silas. And they head off back through the region. And that's where we get to in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. That's the background to what is happening as we come to this particular passage of Scripture. And so unless we join, we'll never really get involved in what Jesus is doing and wants to do. Unless we join, we're in danger of missing the Spirit's move amongst us. So what do we do? What do we do and how do we do it? How on earth do we keep in step with the Spirit? How do we make sure that we do not miss what Jesus and the Spirit of Jesus has for us as individuals and as a whole church? Well, from this very small and obscure passage of Scripture, I want to suggest some things to you. The first one that I want to suggest is this, that we need to always remain open and flexible. We need to constantly remain open and flexible. I love the Apostle Paul. I love him for a whole bunch of reasons. Apparently, he was short and bald. I love him. I love the guy. Apparently, he was very handsome, too. But here's why I love Paul. The Apostle Paul was a planner. The Apostle Paul loved strategic planning. He was a planner, but he also obeyed promptings. Did you know that Paul had a strategic plan? I don't know if you've ever uh, looked at the Scriptures. As you study the book of Acts, you notice that everywhere that Paul went, he did the same thing all the time. Everywhere that Paul went on that first missionary journey, he would set out with Barnabas, the the initial team, and they would go out, and Paul would always go to a town or a city where there was a strong Jewish uh, content, where there was a, a strong Jewish population. That was part of Paul's plan. Why did he go where there was always Jews? Well, he went there because he knew he would always get an audience. See, Paul was a Jew. Paul describes himself in his own story, in his own testimony. He said, I was a Jew of the Jews. You think you're Jewish? You got nothing on me. I am a real Jew. I'm a super Jew. And he was highly educated. He was, he was educated under one of the best teachers of the day, a guy called Rabbi Gamaliel. And, and Paul had like his equivalent of PhD in Jewish studies. And so Paul knew that everywhere he would go, that he would have an audience, because here's this highly educated, rigid, former, you know, uh, persecutor of the church, Jewish guy. And so he knew that that would always happen. And then when he would go to a city where there were Jewish people present, his next step would be he would go to the local synagogue on Saturday, on the meeting day, or on Friday night, because he knew that if he went there, he'd always have an audience and an invitation to preach. See, word would get out in town. There's this exceptional rabbi. There's this exceptional learned Jew. The guy studied under Gamaliel, don't you know? And they would say, oh, Paul, I I hear Paul is in our midst here. Where's Paul? And someone, he put his hand up and said, Paul, come and teach. Come tell us. And so Paul would have an audience. It's part of his strategic plan. 
And, and then when Paul got booted out of the synagogue because he started talking about Jesus, and he always got booted out, he'd take his message to the streets. I challenge you, go, go back and look through the book of Acts. From his conversion in Acts chapter 9 all the way up until Acts, you get to Acts chapter 15, Jerusalem Council, and you read about all the churches Paul planted. This is his modus operandi. This is what he does every single time. He is a planner. So after the Jerusalem Council, Paul is getting antsy, and he wants to go back out on the road. He wants to go on a road trip again. And in Acts chapter 15 and verse 36, it says this. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, this is before they had their big blow-up, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. So in Acts chapter 16, after the big blow-up with his ministry partner Barnabas, Paul takes Silas and they head off to go back and visit the churches that they've already planted. That's the plan. You've got to understand that. That is a very definite plan. So Paul always has a plan. He doesn't wing it. He's a planner. So Paul and Silas head off, and along the way, they're introduced to a new young disciple, an up-and-coming young guy called Timothy, and they invite Timothy to come and join their team. And then we read this in the text that I've chosen this morning, in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7. Paul and his companions, so that's Paul and Silas and Timothy at this point, traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not, uh, would not allow them to. Paul has this great plan. He, he knows exactly what he wants to do. We're going to go out, and we're just going to go, and we're going to visit all of the churches. We're going to go back through the circuit again. But in this short section, we see that he is prevented by the Holy Spirit from executing his plan the way he wants to. So what did he do? What would you have done? Well, he remained open and flexible. See, he didn't get all bent out of shape. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't call the mission a failure. And as we'll see in just a minute or two, his open and flexible posture allowed the Holy Spirit to prompt him to do something that in his wildest dreams he never planned on doing. See, the Holy Spirit's no twice to Paul was so that he could say yes to something much bigger and much more profound. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're sitting here and if you've been sensing that over the last few months or the last few years of your life that you've wanted to do some things and the Holy Spirit of God has been saying no to you, to remain open and flexible because that very no may be the precursor to a huge yes that is way beyond your wildest dreams. I remember when I was getting ready to come to Canada. We emigrated when I was 16. And at 15 years old, uh, my mom and dad announced one day to myself and my two younger brothers that we were moving to Canada. They seemed fairly excited about it. I wasn't. In fact, to say that I wasn't excited about it is an understatement. (laughs) Number one, I was 16 and a boy. Enough said. Number two, Jen's in the nursery today. My wife's in the nursery. I had a girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> we Francis. <laughs> and uh, so I had a girlfriend. I was, I was hooked into this great youth group 
where I just, I just loved this youth group. This youth group was, was a lifesaver for me. People in this youth group like loved me for who I was, and they were teaching me, and they were discipling me, and I was, I was learning and growing so much. So I started fighting my parents tooth and nail on this, on this move to come to this godforsaken Canada. Until one day, uh, I, was with, I was with the youth group. Uh, we were meeting for a prayer meeting, and one of the leaders in that group, uh, someone uh, that I respected highly in the group, she came to me and she said, Dave, I've been praying ab- about your situation. And she said, I just want to tell you what the Lord, I believe, gave me to give to you. And it was, it was a verse out of the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul is really fearful about going into a city. It's a little after Acts chapter 15 or 16, and he's really fearful about going, and the risen Christ shows up to Paul, and he says, do not be afraid, for I have many people in this city that you're going to. And and she gave me that verse, and it it changed my whole outlook. See, because of, of a prompting that someone had, because someone had joined and was in step with the Holy Spirit and was listening, they shared something with me that changed my whole perspective. And if I hadn't remained open and flexible... Like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't really be where I am today in terms of the will of God. I'm so thankful that my family came to Canada. I'm so grateful that they were courageous enough to make that move. I see it now with mature eyes. Then I was just looking at it with immature eyes. And I want to encourage some of you to remain open and flexible. Well, what's the second thing that we need to do, you know, as we wait to join in what the Spirit is doing The second one is this. We need to develop character. You need to develop your character. I need to develop my character. So Paul and his team get sidelined for a bit. Spirit of Jesus has closed some doors for them. So what do you do when your plans don't quite work out? Well, I want to suggest to you, in addition to remaining open and flexible, you allow the setback to develop godly character in you. And really, that's what we're talking about here this morning. That, that's what my whole drive is this morning. We're talking about, you know, staying in step with the Spirit, about staying connected to what Jesus is already doing. In a letter to a church that Paul planted later, he said this. In Galatians chapter 5, 16 to 26, and I simply want to read it for you. He says, So I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So if what you're doing is not on the list, he just goes, and the like. Right? It's the coverall. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, 
Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now remember, because that's quite a list. (laughs) Remember that Paul is writing to a group of Christians. Paul is writing to a church just like C4. But isn't it interesting that he links walking by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, keeping in sync with the Spirit, to the fruit of the Spirit? See, unless we join, we won't develop character. We won't grow to be more like Jesus by exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Unless we join, unless we listen to the promptings of the Spirit, unless we join in what Jesus is already doing in C4 and wants to do in our lives, we won't be growing in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I also find it really interesting that Paul doesn't do ministry alone. Paul doesn't develop godly character alone. When he and Barnabas went their separate ways, as I mentioned already, Paul looked for a new ministry team. He took Silas, and then they added Timothy along the way. But it's really interesting when you look at Acts chapter 16 and verse 6 and 10 that we see something even more. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Acts chapter 16 and verse 10 is where the personal pronouns change in the book of Acts. Dr. Luke, who is the author and the writer of the book of Acts, Prior to Acts chapter 16 and verse 10, it's always they and he and Paul. And at Acts chapter 16 and verse 10, everything changes to we. Why? Because Dr. Luke joined the team in Acts 16 and verse 10. Now catch this this morning. It's vitally important. After 42 years of being a Christian, after 42 years of being a follower of Jesus Christ, here's what I want to tell you. Christianity is simple. It's just not easy. If you want to develop Christian character, if you want to develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life, if you want to join in what Jesus is doing here at C4, if you really want to grow to be more like Christ, if you really want to join in everything that God's got going on, it's really simple. But for many of us, it's just not easy. You need to show up. You need to show up. You need to get connected with other people. You need to serve. You need to invest. You need to share. And these are all things that you cannot do alone. (laughs) You can't sit at home and share with yourself. It's not sharing. You can't sit at home and connect with yourself. It's kind of weird and creepy. If you want to develop godly character, if you want to develop the fruit of the Spirit more and more in your life, you got to be with other people who are following Jesus. Well, what's the third thing that we need to do? The third thing is that we need to obey promptings. As we're waiting to join in what Jesus is doing and what he wants to do, we need to immediately join promptings. We need to quickly uh, obey the promptings. And this morning, this is where I hope a lot of you are going to feel liberated. 
I hope this is where it's going to be a bit of an aha moment for a lot of you this morning. I'm here to tell you that promptings are not just for those with the power gifts. Promptings are not just for those people. I believe that at this time of Jesus' visitation to C4 Church, that the Spirit of Jesus is looking for people, is looking for men and women who are listening, who are open and flexible, who are willing to develop their character, and who are willing to say yes in obedience to what the Spirit prompts. We're not talking about gift-based ministry at this point in time. We believe in gift-based ministry here at the church, but these promptings are open to all the followers of Jesus. Look at the passage. In verse 6 it says, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And then in verse 7 it says, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. And then in verse 10 it said, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You're like, so what? <laughs> let's, let's talk a little Greek this morning. We need to talk a little Greek to each other this morning. Because the English has a hard time conveying the full impact of actually what's going on here. And I want you to be encouraged by this. In, in verse 6, where it says, Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, the Greek there is in the aorist past tense. Which simply means this, that before they set out on this second missionary journey, before Paul and Silas ventured out, added Timothy, and added Dr. Luke, they knew in advance that the Spirit of God had told them, Paul and team, you're not going further into the province of Asia. They knew it before they ever left. Then in verse 7, the Greek in verse 7 is in the present active form which means that it happened when they got there. We would use the term, it happened in real time. What, what, what's really literally going on here, and i got to get my directions right, so that's east and that's north, right? Because I don't want anybody to come up afterwards and say, you're all wrong with your directions, right? That's, that's east, right? North, right, okay, roughly. So Paul and his team are coming from the south. They're coming up from the south, up from Jerusalem, and they're going, and they want to go over into Asia, you guys are all Asians, okay? You want to go over into Asia, over here. But prior to leaving, the Spirit of God says to them, no, you can't. You can't go into Asia. Now, we're not told exactly how that happened, but remember this thing called the Jerusalem Council just happened. All the leaders were together. So maybe somebody had a word, a prompting, a scripture. Maybe somehow it was communicated to Paul and his team that they were not to go over. So they're coming from the south. We can't turn right. And it says that as they come up and they come up to Mysia and they want to go to Bithynia, and Bithynia is the north country, that at the moment they get to that crossroads, the Spirit of Jesus says, No, you can't go that way. Came from there, can't go there, can't go there. Maybe we'll just sit here, we don't know what's going to happen now. This is the way to go. This is Troas. This is the way to go. And now Troas is really interesting because Troas is a, a town, a coastal town. So they know Troas is here, and then beyond Troas is a lot of water. So very, very interesting. In verse 10, they say this. In verse 10, Paul gets a vision of a man calling from Macedonia. But the verse says, concluding that God had called us there, suggesting that the vision 
was a confirmation of a growing conviction or a sense of the Spirit's leading. So they travel up from the south. They can't go right. They can't go straight. So they have to go this way. They're given two no's from the Holy Spirit, but then they get this vision from the Spirit of God to go this way. So we see that the Holy Spirit can lead in different ways. But, but here's what I want to say to you this morning. Don't get all caught up in how this actually happened, because that's really not important, and the Scripture is actually quite silent on that. Is anybody listening is really the question. See, that's what I think we got to get out of the passage this morning. Is anybody listening? See, Paul and his team have obviously put themselves in a posture where they are open and flexible and where they're developing character as they wait, but they're listening to what the Spirit is saying. And when you listen for the Spirit, He speaks. And some of us are sitting here this morning and inside, I, I, I understand you're saying, that's all great, that's Bible stuff, Dave, and maybe, maybe that works for some people, but I haven't been hearing much about the whispers of the Holy Spirit. I haven't been hearing much from Him. Could I lovingly ask you if you're really listening? And if you're listening and if you've heard in the past, have you been obedient? Because a lack of obedience to what God is asking us to do can begin to cut us off from the moves of God in our lives. See, you're, you're waiting to move on to the next new thing, and God's saying, I just still want to deal with what I was talking to you about back here. <laughs> so could we just, like, rewind the tape and go back to here, and I'd like to talk to you about that again before we go on to what's up there? We, we just really, really need to be open. Well, what's the last thing that we need to do? I think the last thing that we need to do is we need to ask the right questions. We need to ask the right questions. And again, good news is this is really easy. It's really easy. The right questions during a time of God's visitation, the right questions to ask when the Spirit of Jesus is moving in new and powerful ways are not the questions of preference or taste or opinion or bias or wrong motivations or from fear or from a whole host of other things. The right questions are, in my opinion, simply, Jesus, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do in our church? And what do you want to do in our region? And invite the risen Jesus Christ by His Holy Spirit to begin to speak to us and to prompt us. See, I believe that God wants to do a lot of things here at C4. I believe that God wants to do incredible things. See, if Paul had never listened to the promptings of the Spirit, Europe would not have been evangelized. See, what God had in store was not Asia, not the north, but Europe. Paul never had Europe on his mind. It wasn't part of his plan, but it was part of the Holy Spirit's plan. And I believe that God, by his Holy Spirit, wants to do amazing things in and through the people of this church. But we need people who are listening to the promptings, to the voice, to the leadings, to the urging of the Holy Spirit in their lives. So are you listening? Are you asking the right questions? Are you open to planning and prompting by the Holy Spirit? 
really what I'm talking about here is it's about renewal and revival and awakening. Personal renewal. A time where I come before God, when you come before God, and we say, oh, Jesus, what Pastor John challenged us to pray two years ago, oh, Jesus, do whatever it takes in my life. And I know many of you have prayed that. And Jesus has stepped in and done amazing things in your life. Jesus, what do you want to do in me? Jesus, what do you want to do in our church? And Jesus, Lord Jesus, what do you want to do with the thousands upon thousands of people in our region who don't yet know the love of Christ? See, unless we join, unless we join, we're in danger of missing all of that. So I'm going to pray, and Curtis and the team are going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a song of response. Now, this isn't just a song that goes, oh, good, this is the we're done song. It's a song of response. It's been planned as a song of response. And so I would invite you, whether you want to stand, whether you want to sit, whether you want to kneel, to get in a posture where as we sing and worship the Christ who is among us, that we're able to respond to him in the way that he's calling us to. Let's pray. So Jesus, thank you for your power and your presence among us. And Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you are with us. And I would humbly ask that now, Lord, even now, you'd begin to prompt people. That you'd actually begin to press us for what you want to do in us and through us, what you want to do at C4 Church, and what you want to do in this community. And, oh, God, you know, I pray that you find willing hearts in your name. Amen.